sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, it is. It's actually here. The show is back. I'm Nate Larkin here with my friend Aaron. Aaron has journeyed back from uh, the far west, spent some time out there in California. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you. And you are down in Florida. I am. I don't even remember if you were there last time we talked on the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's been that long. I think I was preparing to depart. Uh, Allie and I are between permanent homes now. Sold the last one, the one we've lived in for so many years. So and, how does uh, that feel? To, to not have that be your home? Or do you just feel like you're on vacation and something in your brain's telling you you're going to go back to Franklin, Tennessee? Yeah, it's, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a difficult thing. It really is. And I can't conceptualize the new home yet because it's still under construction. We haven't lived in it. So I really feel like a bit of a nomad right now. But in a way, uh, this is also uh, really nice because almost all of our stuff is in storage. We're traveling really light now. All we got down here is what would fit in the car. Uh, so there's not that much to care for or organize or maintain or clean. And uh, so, but uh, this has not been exactly as we had expected. Uh, Allie spent three difficult days in the hospital last week. And she's kind of recovering now from some gastrointestinal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the mend. She's doing she, well. She is on the mend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are back in the, are you back in the routine of working there? Uh, you had, meanwhile, I do know from watching on Facebook that you guys had a snowstorm up there. Yeah, so that happened the day. So we got back last Tuesday. Yeah. The kids did school on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Then we got hit with the the snowstorm. It was so great. I mean, I say snowstorm, and I mean it in the most fun and whimsical way. It was beautiful. <laughs> you know, it lasts a couple days. This is yeah, right. living in upstate New York. But, of course, they closed schools for both days. So Thursday Oh, sure. Absolutely. So three weeks in California, one day back to, quote, routine, and then we're like four more days off. So no, today hasn't felt like a Monday. I feel like it's a Thursday. And yeah, it's totally confusing. So I'm looking forward to the new routine. We've got a few changes. And so I just want to be a few weeks in and feel like yeah. there's no major holidays coming for a while. And just, yeah. I, I try to enjoy the special, but I really find life at this point a little easier if I can manage routines. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Meanwhile, I mean, the calendar is just speeding up. Time is flying so quickly. And here we are now, you and I are recording this five days, four days away from the virtual retreat. No, it's it's I almost here. Yeah, uh, I don't know how quickly we're going to be able to post this episode. I hope it gives guys a little bit of lead time if there are listeners out there who have not yet registered for... Uh, yeah, the so, retreat that so starts what, on Friday the 15th. Is a hmm? virtual retreat. They're going to get to hear Jim Crest talk. They're going to log on. We're all going to be there live. We're going to be in little boxes. We're going to meet each other. 
Yeah. And we're going to listen to Jim Crass do his talk from the actual retreat. And then yeah, Friday yeah. night, we're going to hear Mo Leverett do an amazing concert. It was so yeah. good. Yeah. And that's that's it for Friday. And then Saturday, right. there's going to be more sessions with Jim, some individual mm-hmm. work time. There's going to be choices for breakout. You can watch all the breakout sessions. You can watch some. All the workshops are available. Yeah. One after the other. Going to be some together talking time. Yeah. And it's all all going to be wrapped up by seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, I don't know, Aaron, whether we actually put on the main page at the samsonsociety.com a link to the retreat that's kind of dumb well we'll make sure there's one in the notes of this podcast so yes we, we just will click yes. on it and do that um and i'm sure by the time this goes out there will be a link on the website that's an easily fixed thing right yeah yeah, yeah. And, who's spoke, and there was light, huh? Yeah. <laughs> who, who's that shout out going to? I I don't even know who does that. Yeah. Oh man, this is a the Samson Society is a crazy organization. That's just we have all of these uh, highly gifted, highly motivated, very dedicated, wonderful, and gifted volunteers with very little central communication or control, and somehow things tend to get done. It's a disorganization, but it works. <laughs> okay. Well, hey. So, uh, so we... don't don't transition yet. So, guys, seriously, it's last minute, which is right on time for men, for most men. <laughs> um, so click on over there and grab a few buddies. There's actually a, a group rate where if yeah. you grab like four guys, it's like 20 bucks each. And it yeah. is so much better to do together. It's but if you can't, then pop on and hang out with us for an evening and a day. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, for those of you uh, uh, on the other side of the globe or the, or the other side of the pond, uh, for whom these time uh, you know, zones, they just don't work. It, you'd, have, you'd be up all night. To, uh, please know that we are going to record the entire thing and we will make it available to our brothers uh, in other time zones to run at more convenient time. Yeah, you can grab some friends and just do that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we All have right. a great guest today. We got an old we friend do. coming on. We do, we do. And he'll be here in just a minute on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Pride Podcast. I almost said Positive Sobriety Podcast there, Aaron. I don't know. And, and everybody is shocked and surprised. <laughs> I think just because it's been so long, at any rate, enough of that. Uh, it is so good to have back with us our old friend, Tom Ryan. Hi, Tom Ryan. Uh, hey, guys. Oh, man. Uh, what a gem this guy is. Uh, Tom, you've been busy up there with Living Integrated. How's it going with the ministry? 
It's been good. It's a lot going on. Uh, it won't surprise anybody to know that uh, the uh, compulsive compulsion to try and fix life by uh, finding something that makes you feel good and stumbling into sex uh, affects ministry people just as much as it does anybody else. So <laughs> there's plenty of work to go go around, I'm afraid. Yep. And that's what your ministry mostly focuses on is church folks. You do you run a group just for pastors, don't you? I've got one, one online that we just started an online uh, Zoom group. Um, okay. And, and then you do in-person stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I do an in-person group here in the Kansas City metro area, and I've had that for years. So yeah. the whole deal about living integrate is trying to integrate healthy recovery practices for uh, compulsive sexual behavior disorder with, with healthy spiritual practices. And yeah. uh, sometimes that's more challenging than you think. So, yeah, most yeah. of the guys that I deal with have some kind of a Christian or a faith background, faith orientation. Uh-huh. They may be survivors, but they they've got some kind of a faith approach, and we try and integrate that with healthy uh, recovery. So yeah. Now, yeah. last week you and I were talking, and you brought up something that has been occupying your mind recently. Paradoxically, <laughs> occupying your mind that didn't really work at all. <laughs> but I'm curious first how how your mind went to this, and then you're going to teach me and Nate all about it today. No, I'm not going to teach you. You, you, Come on. Come on. You guys have taught me everything. So I I depend on you. So so as you guys know, um, doing the the living integrated um, uh, nonprofit that I that I have, um, I've gotten the opportunity this last year to get involved with um, an existing group in Boulder, Colorado called Begin Again Institute. And, oh, uh, we know about them. Yeah. 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 Beginning. So beginning in institutes this brilliant model using uh, trauma and uh, trauma therapy and group therapy and individual therapy and practices and psychoeducational stuff. Um, it's the stuff that Michael Barta developed, right? Exactly. And Dr. Okay, Michael great. Barta developed that. And it's been running for over a decade, I think. Don't quote me on uh-huh. that part. But getting, beginning in institutes a 14-day intensive for men struggling with compulsive sex uh, or porn uh, intimacy disorders. Right, and, right, right, right. Um, and Michael, over a little over a year ago, reached out to, to me and said, I want to develop one that's focused on, uh, on for, for those that are coming from a Christian faith background. Because yeah, uh-huh. so often guys will come to the intensive with questions, how do I integrate this with my faith? Or they've got some kind of a piece of the faith that may get in the way of healthy recovery. And so that was the genesis of creating a, 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 a different um, 14-day intensive called Boulder Recovery. So okay. I have the privilege of participating two days with Boulder Recovery. So uh, when the guys come out to Boulder, uh, I join them along day six and day seven of their 14-day deal. And what, right. what I get the privilege of doing is sharing my story with them. And then um, I've got seven different modules um, of things that how, how we can approach. Well, how, how do we think God looks at us? How do we think God and Jesus think about sexual compulsivity? Right. Uh, we spend a lot of time on shame uh, because shame is the gift that keeps on taking in the human experience, but especially. <laughs> oh, I love that phrase, the gift that keeps on taking. Yeah, oh. and, 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 and as we all know, in the church, it, it doesn't take a, a hiatus. It, and in fact, right, 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 right. And in fact, like so many uh, expressions of, of human control in the church, will it will inadvertently use shame to modify yeah. people's behavior. And, and so sure. we spend a lot of time on that. 
But towards the end of my my time with them, I, I move into paradox. And that's what Aaron's getting at is the whole principle of and the practice of paradox. And I I owe all of this to Dr. Patrick Carnes. So, mm-hmm. Nate, I know you mentioned Carnes periodically. He's really the godfather, yeah, yeah. The, the Bill W. of our compulsive sexual behavior recovery movement. Still writing, still researching, still teaching. He's just he's just brilliant. And then a few years ago, I got to uh, go through the, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I got to go through the four CSAT modules as a pastor. And mm-hmm. I got to hear Dr. Carnes and spend a, a day and a half uh, just sitting at his feet, soaking up his presence. And he's just, he's just brilliant. In one of his devotionals, uh, and he's just printed so much stuff, written so much stuff, but he's got a 40-day devotional piece in his recovery starter kit. And in one of those, he talks about paradox. And when I ran across that, it just lit me up. Um, You know, one of the slogans, my sponsor in recovery, and most of your listeners won't know my story, but I'm recovering from compulsive sexual behavior disorder. And I was a pastor for a long time. And uh, one, one of my, the slogans in the recovery movement that my sponsor used with me so much was, Tom, you've got to learn to accept life on life's terms, accept right. life on life's terms. And I hate, I hate that slogan because I don't want to uh, accept life on life. I want life on my terms. And, uh, <laughs> and that's rarely worked out well, but I keep thinking that if I could just organize everybody a little bit better. And if God would <laughs> just cooperate, I mean, every other day, I, I don't need him seven days a week, but if he just gave yeah, me yeah. three days of the week, uh, <laughs> I, could make, I could make it work. So it's clear that I've got an addiction and an addictive right. mindset. But anyway, so here's the deal on, on paradox. Paradox is helping us to deal with reality because the thing uh-huh. is reality is hard. Being a yeah. human being is hard. It's hard for anybody. Yes. And facing reality means learning how to live with paradox and Carnes cites a great example called the Stockdale paradox. And I knew about James Stockdale, but I didn't know anything about his history. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah. No, Admiral (laughs) James to us. Well, Admiral James Stockdale. So older listeners like uh, like myself might remember the 1992 U S presidential election. Oh yeah. He was was a running mate. Yeah. Exactly. A running uh, mate. uh, Joe Geard Texan. Yeah. 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 To Ross Perot. And so, and unfortunately he opened the vice presidential debate with the memorable (laughs) line. Who am I? Why am I here? here? (laughs) And Phil Hartman on Saturday night live made a meal out of that impersonation. Uh, Oh yeah. 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 I remember. And unfortunately, that's how too many of us in America remember Admiral Stockdale and the SNL uh, skits that that yeah, fall yeah. with uh, with Hartman and Dana Carvey playing Ross Perot. But in reality, Stockdale himself was a U.S. military officer. He was a naval officer. He was one of the earliest ones taken captive during the Vietnam War. And now mm-hmm. things get really serious because what Dr. Carnes did was he he took some information that he'd found in Jim Collins's 2001 book, Good to Great, which yeah. is a business book that just really made a big impact on a lot of business people and a lot of organizational thinkers. And in Good to Great, uh, Carnes quotes uh, Collins and his his referral to Jim Stockdale. So for over eight years, this guy was a POW and he was high ranking. In fact, he was, I, from my understanding, the highest ranking officer, therefore, all the new guys coming into the POW camp in North Vietnam, where he was, um, you know, 
took orders from him. And, right. And the thing was, Stockdale uh, was tortured a bunch of times and somehow had developed some interior psychological method for handling the torture. Well, he passed this on to guys. There are so many POWs who lived through that experience and they credit Stockdale for keeping them alive. Really? Really? Yeah. He, he really made, um, he had over 20 different sessions of being tortured and he's, cre- he's credited with keeping literally thousands of American service personnel alive. So he also <laughs> get this, he, he would pick up stuff from his enemy captors and he, fi- he figured out a way to embed useful intelligence information in seemingly innocuous letters to his wife. So, uh-huh. so he passed on info. I mean, this guy was just amazing. But one of the most amazing things was that he knew he was in hell. And at the same time, he did everything he could do to lift the morale of his fellows and to help them survive. And so many of them did survive and they credit him. And so this is where good to great comes in. He never lost faith. Good to great. He's quoted as saying, I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn this experience into the defining event in my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Wow. So he had this incredible vision of a preferable future and it was, it had conviction. Now where that, where that came from, that's between him and, and God, I suppose. I don't know. But anyway, he had that faith. Uh, in what was unknowable, uh, and yet here's here's a dichotomy. Those around him who were the most optimistic actually didn't make it out alive. Uh-huh. He survived, and they did not. Um, so he was asked, "Well, how is it that that could be the case?" And he said, "Well, those that didn't make it were the, and the but were so optimistic were the ones who said, well, 'Well, going to be out by Christmas.' Oh yeah, we'll be out by this Christmas for sure, guys." There's no way we're here beyond Christmas. We'll be out by this Christmas. But Christmas would come, Stockdale said, and Christmas would go. Yeah. And still there. And then they say, well, we'll be out by Easter. Yeah. And Easter would come and Easter would go. We'll be out by the 4th of July. And yeah. that would come and that would go. We'll be out by Thanksgiving. You, you see what? And then you're back to Christmas. And then he says these words, you must never confuse the faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose. Right with a discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Oh, wow. Isn't that profound? So then yes. leave, it to, leave it to Carnes. Uh, Carnes goes on and says that Stockdale observed that we must never lose sight of where we want to be and never let go of the confidence that ultimately we'll get there. But at the same time, each day we have to absolutely recognize how bad things are. The key to survival is knowing the complete reality of how much trouble we're in. Yeah. And so yeah. let me, this, this last quote, this is just from Carnes and then we can just pick this apart. But Carnes writes, all paradoxes, all paradoxes involve essential truths which contradict each other. All paradoxes involve essential truths which contradict each other. The resolving of paradoxes is to accept that both truths become a recipe for survival. Recovery uses the same paradoxical recipe. We must keep our eye on a productive life filled with serenity and each day we must fairly face squarely and with no delusion our reality, however Mm -hmm. bad it is. Wow. 
And that's wow. just become a lifeline for so many of the guys that I interact with, I think, is helping them or just talking about the concept of anchoring our faith in a preferable future. That, yeah. And, and, but at the same time, not, not kidding ourselves that okay. life really is hard right now. And maybe right now I'm dealing with some consequences that just really are hard. Yeah. 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 Okay. I know where I want to start in my questioning of your paradoxical thought mm -hmm. or, or Jimmy's. Uh, sorry. I just remember the days we would swill rum on the sloop together, but uh, not Dr. <laughs> Admiral James. <laughs> he went on to better things after he finally got clear of you, Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Well, he kicked me out and took Ross up. I would have been the best uh, 19 year old running mate he could have had. I actually don't remember how old I was, but good times. Uh, Okay, this word reality has been used repeatedly, and I find that to be a dangerous word because everybody thinks they're saying the same thing or they're hearing the same thing or understanding the same thing when they hear and use the word reality. But I think reality is a really slippery little mother. Reality can mean here are the facts, the data of any given situation, but that removes the human element out that how I perceive any fact will become the lens through which I believe truth is formed. And any five people can have five different realities in the same data situation. Right. Yeah. So what do we do with that? Because one person could think they're engaging what you're saying, but their reality is gospel-less. Or on the other side, they can be the optimist. When you were talking about those optimistic prisoners, I thought, oh, there are so many prisoners of Christianity that claim little promises of God yes. and have hopes that are constantly destroyed because they're told this is what God is going to do in your life. Here's the healing you're going to get. And then when it doesn't come, there has to be tricky ways around letting God off the hook. And then Christianity is just a series of claiming random verses that weren't promises to you and then letting God off the hook because he's constantly failing. And he had nothing to do with the conversation from step one. I think it's a profound question. I think, I think you bring up a really powerful point and I'm thinking, you know, Nate, uh, like you, I oftentimes will say, and I've heard you say this repeatedly in the podcast, the opposite of our addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Mm -hmm. And I think an example would be Aaron, possibly I'm just thinking out loud with you. Okay. But I think it's when I share my, my optimism or my view of reality or what I'm thinking when I get my head open and trust myself with some safe person mm -hmm. and can hear myself thinking out loud and then can listen to them. That's, that's where I have the opportunity of getting my narrative revised and maybe get closer to genuine reality. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So that statement says that we shouldn't expect to nail the bullseye of reality most days in our life. Right. Because we're human. We're mm -hmm. mm -hmm. flawed individual. I mean, which one of us really has an accurate picture yeah. of reality, right? I mean, aren't we always revising our narrative? If, if we're thinking and growing, we're always revising our narrative to some degree. But I do better if I'm willing to have an honest heart to heart with my sponsor and say, hey, this is how I'm seeing this thing. And I'm really open to, I mean, giving him all the data of what I'm thinking and then open to what he thinks, because then I will adjust yeah. if it's a safe relationship and if I'm willing to be vulnerable. And I think that's absolutely essential. 
Yeah, it strikes me all of a sudden that it is difficult just to navigate through life uh, with one eye, which is why God gave us two uh, for improved depth perception. We get a, a clearer, more reliable uh, sense of where we are in relation to the rest of the world if we if we have the luxury of having two eyes, allowing somebody else to be the second eye in looking at our lives can give us uh, a, a depth of perception that we might not have otherwise yeah. and keep us from bumping our heads, right? So as with so many things, step one is humility enough to say, I don't know what the hell's really going on, no matter how clearly I believe I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that God gave us this unique thing that makes reality slippery that we're different than all other animals in that we base so much reality on perception, not simply instinct. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm, I'm taking step one as humility. But then what do I do with this paradox? Because here it gave him strength. And I'm hearing all that you said about what he went through. So if I'm in my own torture right now, where do I go with this? What do I accept so that I'm not a blind optimist, but I am a hopeful person knowing that Christ is enough and this is shit? Mm-hmm. I think that's the mystery, isn't it? I mean, that's the adventure. There's no easy answers. There's no, oh, okay, so then this is what you do, Aaron, and then you'll be okay. There's no guarantee that, well, yeah, tomorrow today sucks, but tomorrow is going to be greater. Great, you know. No, tomorrow might suck really bad too. This might suck for a long time, Aaron. And then I'll die. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was my optimistic statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! But 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 in reality, this, this is this is the dance of faith, isn't it? That um, actually God does do things, does surprises, does show up. Things do change. I can't control it. I can't even see around the corner most of the time. Um, and there, I think there's a real balance here. A tension, maybe, is a better word. There's a real tension between uh, a naive faith. Uh, well, Jesus is all I need. Jesus is going to I mean, that's that's really how I doubled down into my addictive practices uh, as a young teenager believing in Jesus. Well, I had a personal faith that Jesus was all I needed. And um yeah, but Jesus ends up showing up in you and in Nate and in others and in Samson groups and, and in my brothers and in my community. Jesus shows up in lots of ways. He just doesn't tend to do one-on-ones, not too often. So is yeah. there a danger in this paradox that because I live in the Western world in 2022, as it is now, that because I solve problems with money, even if I don't have it, mm-hmm. I can go into debt to get it. And because of the nature of medicine and health. I'm not seeing half the babies born die. I'm not seeing the level of death and sickness. And so I have a really bad view of suffering. In fact, most of the prayers I have heard in the church are all about God take away suffering. Suffering doesn't have any good spot. So I can't live with this paradoxical view and still constantly be believing that all suffering is purposeless or needs to be gone. Like I, I need, I need to think about suffering to engage this, don't I? Right. One of the oh. slogans is God help me not to waste this pain. 
And mm. if we incorporate that kind of thinking, then there may be a redemptive use of suffering. The fact is, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of the aspects of our lives in the West that we're able to just ignore suffering that a lot of the world has to deal with. And um, that's kind of insulated the Christian church in some ways. So portions, portions of the Christian church have been insulated. Yeah. Yeah. What struck me, really struck me about Stockdale's story was his statement that, you know, he never lost faith that this uh, horrendous experience, as hard as it would be, could turn out to be what was his phrase? The defining, the defining event of my life, which in retrospect yeah. I would not trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly speak that. You know, I think that way today about uh, all the shit that I went through and dragged my family through in addiction and the difficulties of early recovery and all that pain. Uh, boy, it sure it sure redefined my life and turned out to make me not only, uh, you know, a better man, although still, I mean, <laughs> amazingly imperfect and broken, but still better and more useful, paradoxically more useful in the kingdom than I was when I was still all bright and shiny and looked as though I had it all together. Yeah. Um, so how in those times, Nate, did you engage the suffering you were going through engage it, not ignore it, but yeah. not get sucked into the mire of it where you were stuck in the suffering, that you still had hope intact while engaging suffering? I, you know, I, I don't know whether it was some sort of sick messianic complex that I just kind of had anyway, but I, I kind of like Stockdale. I always, right from almost from the beginning, I had a sense that this actually in the long run was going to make things different in a better way. And that I was going to come out of it with something redemptive. Mm. And what really helped me, but, but also I also brought into the process and I had to be deprogrammed from it. Uh, this longstanding Christian training that says, uh, you know, if it isn't, you know, if healing isn't coming now, it's because there's something you haven't surrendered yet. There's some something you haven't believed yet. There's there is something you can do to speed up the process. If it's going slowly, it's your fault because, you know, God kind of God heals at light speed. You know, all healing is instantaneous in order to be miraculous. And uh, to have, you know, my friends in recovery and my sponsors in recovery remind me over and over again that this is a process and this is progress, not perfection. And it's a day at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how do we deal with this? This is for both of you. Nate, you, you said when you're going through that, you knew somehow this was going to make you more useful. Yeah. Which is true, especially looking back. There's yeah. a danger in that I want to throw out and get your guys' thoughts too. Mm -hmm. I feel uh, I've hung out with enough professional Christians whose usefulness is the story, mm -hmm. which is not a bad thing because that story is a precious gift. 
but they never found out going back to what you were saying, Tom, about discovering who we are in Christ. They, they never found out that they were more beloved. They were just more useful. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good point. Which is, which is a really dangerous place for us to get stuck. Yeah. And because ministry is supposed to be my goal and even evangelizing people is my highest purpose. Uh, I don't think either of those are true. But if I'm drawing hope from that in the midst of this journey that we're talking about, in mm-hmm. the middle of the paradox, mm-hmm. what are some dangers I can fall into? What are some churchianity voices that can actually derail me even as I become more useful? Right. Yeah. I mean, there it is, you know, to become a human, you know, to become a human doing rather than a human being. And uh, if my use, if, if it's all about my usefulness and if it's all about the story, then I've got to continue to polish and embellish the story. Mm. And when it gets difficult and when I slip and fail, uh, it can be very difficult to still, still live, face reality, live in the world of what is and walk honestly in the light with other people, not try to delude myself or others. Yeah, you're right. I think you put your you put your finger on a on a on a real issue there, Aaron. I just thought of a heartbreaking piece of this. I'm thinking about your story. And if in the midst of you coming out of brokenness and sin, the usefulness loomed too big, then that's just another version of paying for it. Yeah. I did this wrong, but I'll pay for it on the other side. Yeah. And then there's no room for Christ because he wasn't enough in the brokenness to be enough in the healing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is a profound issue, Aaron. I really do. And I, but I, I think it also highlights the fact that God is infinitely mysterious in how he deals with us and that he'll, he'll use any scrap um, <laughs> to, to work out, you know, his will in wondrous ways. If if we have the least bit of vulnerability or willingness, and and so what comes to mind is just the role of the Holy Spirit, who will surprisingly sometimes start fires in the basement of our souls just to yeah. get us to move, and um, and we'll use scraps and back to community. We'll use others. We'll use conversations. We'll use prompts. Um, but there's no guarantees. Life's really hard, and there's no simple formula. I don't think. Um, I think I, I think I think what I'm resonating with is I've just found this this idea of paradox that helps me make sense mm-hmm. yeah. so much in life and helps me make sense of genuine survival. And you're you're exactly right. If my only thing and recovery movement's big on usefulness, and I get that and I appreciate that because it moves me towards others, towards right, towards, towards one service. another, right? Towards yeah, yeah. It moves, right. moves you towards genuine service. But again, the heart's the big deal. If I'm doing that so that I'll have a sense of feeling okay, then I've just created another idol. I've just mm-hmm. created another compulsive behavior. So, And we see people who are two-steppers that come into the community <laughs> facing their, their powerlessness <laughs> and unmanageability and then move right to service, step 12. And that's right. So they got identity and they've got, they've got service and they've got their place and they're running groups and all that. But there's... <laughs> There's a whiff of oh, there's some undeveloped aspects to your soul without trying to be judgmental. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so looking, at, the, at the core of the Christian mystery is a God who, uh, like I like to say, Jesus loves us the way we are, or Jesus loves us just as we are, and at the same time has no intention 
of leaving us where we are. Mm-hmm. So okay. He, oh, okay. He, he is the wild card. But okay. but let's take that statement. I'm looking at a screen with three people who have made plenty of bad choices in their lives. Amen. Yes. Uh, I mean, obviously, the audience doesn't know who that other third person is on the screen. Okay, fine. So the three of us on the screen. <laughs> yeah. The Trinity you, on the screen. Yeah, what yes. you just said, Tom, is that somehow I have to come to believe that I was preciously beloved, just as preciously beloved because Jesus was enough in the worst day of stupidity. Yeah. as in my greatest day of service. Absolutely. Now, that sounds right, according to the gospel, but how did you guys get to the place where you could actually feel and believe that? Because I think that's at the point that we serve with true gospel honesty because well, we're, we're not yeah. better now than we were then. No, right, 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 right. And and I, and you you let off the I think the first phrase you said was we have to somehow get to where we believe. And and again, I got to go back to no, I think that's where Christ is taking us and mm-hmm. all of us are having trouble getting there. I, mm-hmm. I've got days where I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really not sure I'm I'm precious or de, or, or delighted in um, I had the privilege early when I was much younger and just early in recovery to get to know Brennan Manning and to spend some time retreat. And I don't know of anybody who preaches the gospel more gospeliciously, um, to use your mashup, uh, uh, Aaron, uh, than, than Brennan did. Um, but I know that addiction recovery was a challenge in his life and was yeah, hard. Yeah. And it's the ongoing dance that I think God delights in, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. The, the the calling us to take another step, Aaron, take another step, Nate, you know, trust me with yeah. this. Some days we do and some days we don't. And yeah, he never, he never changes. One of the things I love to say to the guys and, and when I get to be with them, either in my group in Kansas City or one-on-ones or Boulder Recovery, wherever it is, is that if you never took another step in recovery, uh, God wouldn't love you any less, you know, yeah. than he does right now. And if you go all the way and win the nations, he's not going <laughs> to love you anymore. Mm-hmm. It isn't about what we're doing. Yeah. It's about his delight in who we are and that we belong oh. to him. We are not winning his approval in this, and he exalts over us in singing, even in the pit. Yeah. Well, I can't think of a better way to end this conversation than right there. We came around to the gospel. Hey, uh, before we let you go, Tom, uh, for guys who want to follow you, find you on, you do have a presence online. You've got a blog, don't you? Where can guys find you? Where can they communicate with you? Right. One word, living integrated. So it's just living integrated, one word, dot org. I said that like the title of it's living integrated, one word, dot org. It's living integrated, dot org. Okay. No, no space. Living integrated.org. They can find me there. They can connect with me there. Blogs there. There's resource links there. Um, oh, 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 oh. And and this last year, uh, in a painful exercise of do it yourself, um, I feel like I disappeared in the back room of Home Depot and did some recording or the public library and um, being mm-hmm. shushed periodically. Anyway, I, I put up two different resource packages. I've got a board for living integrated that, that makes it possible for me to do a lot of stuff. And I'm so grateful to them. 
So I made two different free resource packages, guys, um, particularly guys that are struggling with maybe a porn habit, but aren't sure they want to want to engage the addict label. Well, mm-hmm. I've got a I've got a six part little thing called four tasks for getting your life back. And they can go on. They can go to livingintegrated.org and they can find um, videos that I made. That's the painful part. And some PDFs and some stuff to do and some links to research. And that'll help them if they got just a porn habit, yeah. but they're not necessarily in the full addictive circle. Yeah, great. Go go use four tasks and it might very well help break that porn habit and you don't become uh, totally compulsive. And then for guys that need a little bit more, but maybe they're in a place where they can't find a counselor or they're scared to go talk to somebody or they don't know mm-hmm. who to talk to. Another starter would be 15 practices for living the life you want. And that's a more robust program. Um, but it's a good starter program for guys that really are in trouble and need to do something. There's a lot of psych ed with it, some 15 PDFs and, and uh, wow. recordings that I made. Those are pretty robust packages and they're free because of my supporters at Living Integrated. And, and then I got links and then... Uh, Last thing I just want to say is Boulder Recovery. It um, go yeah. to boulderrecovery.com. And um, you had our lead therapist, Matt Winger, on. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners can go back to episode 299 from last April. And Matt was on. You guys interviewed him. And Matt is, I, I can just tell you by working up close with him, he's he's real. He's the genuine deal. I'm just so uh, excited about this 14-day intensive called Boulder Recovery. I think it's a great program that uh, will help a lot of guys uh, in the years to come. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Tom. Uh, So good to see your face and hear your voice again. Uh, You've been a huge blessing to the Samson Society over the years. And uh, well, the blessing's uh, mine. I appreciate you guys so much. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a double dipper. I follow every uh, Pirate Monk podcast and the Positive Sobriety podcast. I love you and David. And I love uh, Aaron's uh, fun when you mix those two up. And I just, when I'm out walking the dog and listening, I'm just laughing along. So love them both. They're great. There's a great pairing, Nate. I mean, you do great work. So thank you. Well, thanks, man. All right. Well, we're done patting each other on the back. I suppose it's time (laughs) to, to go. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. (laughs) That's great. I, I always love listening to a person as mm, smart and gospelicious as Tom Ryan, uh, just explore stuff that's been in his head. Yeah, it's always yeah. great. Yeah, I'm always. Uh, let me see. I'm inspired and I'm informed and I'm challenged and I'm encouraged every time I hang around Tom Ryan. Indeed. Yeah. Well, and and but, hey, by the way, just a shout out to his book. I mean, his book came out shortly after Samson and the Pirate Monks. It's been around a long time, but it is as relevant and powerful today as it was the first day it appeared. And that book is called Ashamed No More. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't read Ashamed No More yet, put it on your reading list. You can buy it from on Amazon. All right. Well, guys, just a reminder, go check out 
this weekend virtual retreat and join us Friday and Saturday. And I don't know, do we have anything else we need to say? No, no. Just a reminder that we're always open to feedback and you can reach us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Well, there it is. There it is. All right. We're going to see if we can't get this little sucker up and out real quickly. Uh, I guess that wraps it for this week. Until next time, whenever that will be, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.